This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and I'm joined by Ian Doyle and Paul Gorst is back. Paul, how are we? Very good, yeah. yeah. Good uh, good few weeks off. Uh, the longest time I've ever had off, I think, certainly since I worked at the Echo. So, five weeks off in total, missed a couple of games, but... Um, Still managed to see this one on Saturday, so uh, looking forward to getting stuck into it. Well, just tell us why you've been away. Yeah, I've been on paternity leave, haven't I? So, uh, been getting a lot of sleepless nights, and that's not worrying about if Jürgen Klopp's going to line up with a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's um, she's already a, a lifelong red, and she's uh, she's only a few weeks old. Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, congratulations from all the blood red listeners, I'm sure. Um, Ian Doyle, how are you? Uh, it's been five weeks. Mm-hmm. And it feels like about five months. Have you missed him? Yeah, I've always missed Paul. You yeah. know this. Yeah. We're all friends together here on the podcast, especially when we <laughs> lean in to try and be heard properly. Yeah, so, no. Congratulations, Paul. Thank you. Even though you technically did next to nothing, let's be honest. Yeah, I was um, I was very much the pep linders to the game <laughs> cloth in, uh, in the delivery suite. Intensity is your identity. <laughs> <laughs> that very, that's a great way to start, to be honest. One of my favourite podcast starts... Um, of all time, that so yeah. Well, from from good starts to poor starts, Ian Doyle. Um, wow, I feel. Oh, I mean, you should be back in, the, back in the hosting yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you're about to refer to what happened in the first fifteen minutes against yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, I was having a you know, I was having a sit down thinking about this yesterday because you know I had to do some work, and at the time I'd written. Can't remember the last time Liverpool had started a game so badly, even counting last season. And then I actually thought of one where they did, were absolutely awful, which was Wolves away. Yes. I mean, Wolves away in terms yeah. of the start. I mean, there were games against Brighton in which they were quite rubbish all the way through. Brentford in which they were poor in the second half. There were other bits where they've had 20-minute spells. But in terms of an actual start to a game, I think the Wolves one's the only one I can remember in recent memory that could anything like as bad because that first 15-20 minutes on Saturday was just... It was like just a bunch of players who'd never played before and seemed a little bit surprised when we would come up against a team that actually looked like they might know what they're doing and didn't really give Liverpool any kind of respect or anything and just, I wouldn't say Bournemouth went for it, but every time they got the ball, they were just pushing forward with like three, four, five players. And what didn't help is that Liverpool, whenever they got the ball, just seemed intent on giving it straight back to them, which anyone who watched the Chelsea game previous week, I think Liverpool had 35% possession and Klopp said, didn't he, on Friday? He said, that's an absolute joke. We can't let it happen again. And obviously, in the end, Liverpool won the game against Bournemouth. But yeah, I mean, even a long time after that game, people were thinking, what on earth happened in those mm-hmm. first 20 minutes? Yeah, it, it, it feels like, even though, Gorsley, they, they went on to win the game fairly comfortably and even see out the last 25 minutes or so with, with 10 men, it feels like slightly con- a slight concern that that first 20 minutes has left the bigger impression yeah, on, I mean, on fans, is that fair? First, yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'd like to caveat it by saying that the goal that Jaden Anthony scores after three minutes, we shouldn't really discuss that as a kind of analysis point because it's offside um, and it's, we only talk about it now because the flag stays up or stays down longer than, than perhaps it should. We all get infuriated by that. Yeah, I suppose in the past it goes up, doesn't it? It goes, it goes up straight away, he doesn't get the chance to put it into the empty net. Um, so for me, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a moot point. But, even after that, Liverpool didn't really get to grips with things that they and, and Trent's yeah. doing this new hybrid role, there's two positions in one, and he looks great there at times. Um, but just back to goal, he takes that heavy touch, and 
okay, it's a heavy touch, Any, anyone can do that, but Liverpool never really gets set after that, and Antoine Semenya sticks it away, and and then Alisson gets booked and could easily have been sent off for, you know, he tries to pass it and mm. doesn't really do anything with it other than give it away, and Liverpool just looked all at sea, didn't they, until... The, I mean, I wouldn't even say they really massively got to grips with the game. I think they get a fortunate penalty. Um, through the buzz, like kind of going down a little bit easy. Um, the equaliser is great. Lewis D has with it. Yeah. Super little bit of you know um, imagination for that one. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult game. Probably a lot more difficult than a lot of people thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think Matty means the buzz like actually after the game saying that they're still kind of in a pre-season state in terms of where they are physically yeah. uh, and I think that's that's a, a good point to make I think having too many <coughs> teams uh, running through teams this early on in the season certainly you know anyone who isn't Manchester City <coughs> so um, it was a decent win but more than enough there to concern supporters who I have to say normally don't need a lot to be concerned do they um, mm-hmm. I've seen loads of Perhaps over analysis of pre-season results and the way Liverpool were defending in particular, but when the the real stuff gets going and they're doing that type of stuff where Allison's giving it away and committing fouls and Liverpool are conceding goals far too easily, then it does start to become a bit of a concern. But I don't think we learnt anything new in terms of Liverpool need a little bit of a specialist screener to be in there and do the dirty work and allow the flair players to, to, to flourish because at the moment they don't really have one do they I'm sure we'll get on to uh, end though shortly but um, it was a bit evident that they didn't have that in the first certainly 30-35 minutes I don't think you could argue I thought you could argue against Liverpool's fitness levels to be fair because I thought in the second half as, as you pointed out Joe when they went down to 10 I mean the front three in particular mm-hmm. just ran around just like you know they offered themselves up for the ball they were chasing down the opponents and they made sure that until the last 10 minutes I think when Bournemouth finally put on that many forwards and wingers mm-hmm. and they were just putting the balls into the box Bournemouth didn't really have a chance to do that so <clears throat> I know all three of them ended up going off didn't they uh, Jota I think he went off first didn't he and then Salah and Diaz went off a bit later on I think that's the way it went but in that sense, I don't think Liverpool can be too worried in terms of the actual fitness of pre-season. I think it's more the tactical stuff, mm. which is understandable given the fact mm. that they've got they're going to end up with end up <laughs> uh, with uh, three new midfielders. See, you, I've, you I, I, I've done this on purpose. I've done this on purpose. No, you didn't. Yeah, did. You just thought of a I good did. one. And I know I didn't. See, I was in context of what I was saying. You were just just own it. Mate, you were just like putting mm. them in there. Anyway, the other thing I was going to say <laughs> is. The fans didn't take long to get really few yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. on so I'm not sure whether that came across if you were watching it on television or not. But it reminded me of the Leeds. Yeah, and they were, season, but they were yeah. proper, oh, and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's not conducive it was a, to, to players. Yeah, but it was a little bit like that bad. against Crystal Palace last season, the first game. Well, the difference there is obviously they'd had a bit of an iffy summer with some of the results. They got a load of players injured, which fortunately neither of those two things happened this time. OK, they got the draw on the first day of the season, but last season it was against a Fulham side that had just been promoted and they were pretty terrible. Liverpool, that is. Uh, and this time it was Chelsea, which I know Chelsea got beat yesterday against West Ham, but Chelsea at home is always a difficult game. Oh, it's a very difficult yeah. game. So I think to get a point, though, that was reasonably fine. I just think maybe the fans had got a little bit too agitated at the, you know, as, as Gorsty said, the, the lack of a certain signing. Yeah. And they don't have too much to, much reason to complain about. But what I would say then, though, is 
in the second half they were proper behind them especially after the red card because yeah. it was kind of they could all see that probably shouldn't have been one and I think they were well impressed with the work rate of the players and I said before especially the ones up front and I know we'll come on to one player in particular mm-hmm. who had a good game but it's a, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation for me that it's you know what comes first do the fans get up for it which in turn affects the players positively or do the players need to start playing a bit before they can you know the cop get on side it's a, it's a difficult one I suppose there's no real answer to it but when you start on games as poorly as that the anxiety sets in around Anfield and it's always been that way to be fair but it's um, it doesn't help does it? it it's funny isn't it because you look back last season and they played Bournemouth was that the second game Bournemouth? the second game at home yeah second game at home so they played Bournemouth early on the season win 9-0 and um it, that that was not representation of, of last season in, in any mm. way. When Whereas, it's a nine nil ever. Well, no, I know, anything, but but yeah. but what I I think people and it sounds an obvious thing to say, but what I think people kind of forget when they they talk about football match about their team is that they they only talk about one team and there's two teams they're playing and Bournemouth are actually a handy side and I think perhaps a little bit better than and people maybe give them credit for and I think maybe the way Liverpool beat them last season. Um, might still played on people's mind. They expected a fast start. Liverpool, expected... uh, sorry, Bournemouth are miles better than they were oh, b- back in March. Yeah, when I yeah. thought, even though Liverpool lost at Bournemouth, I thought they were going down because I thought yeah. they were really bad, which yeah, showed yeah. how bad Liverpool were that day. But they ended up doing all right under Gary O'Neill and then mm-hmm. got rid of him for some reason. And and now they've changed haven't they, the, the system, the way they want to play. And they're, they're a little bit like Liverpool light, aren't they, where they do a lot of press and a lot yeah. of running around and... That's something that will be interesting because there'll be other clubs, other teams, sorry, you'll find that quite difficult to cope with. Yeah. But, but one question I was going to ask both of you is, because I was having a discussion after the game with with, with Kiefer um, the other day, and um, he was saying, I'd do away with the formation, the you know the Trent hybrid role now. Yeah. He said, oh, you know, I think they should go back to 4-3-3. I don't think they've got the players for it. I think it's, I think it's served a purpose, but move on. Um and I, I'm not so sure, you know. I, I think, I think the big part of last season's revival was that I think it gave Liverpool something totally different. I think Trent, it got him back, back playing again. But it looked like early in the game Saturday that a lot of their problems came from formation, formation issues, players not quite understanding where they should be. Trent being a little bit, I don't know. Um, I can't think of the word, but but just easy going with the ball. He he wasn't really switched on. Centre arse not really knowing the where they should be. Do you think that that formation has served its purpose? That they should move on, or do you think that they should persevere with it? They just haven't got the personnel. Um, Endo could help with that. Yeah, I'm unsure at the moment. Um, it's it's not quite a unique system, is it? But it's it's one that isn't used widely. So I can't imagine. You know, McAllister and, and Zabarzlai coming into the, the midfield are, are used to having a right-back who's also in there trying to get on the ball mm-hmm. and, and create chances and then looking at right-back and seeing that there's no one there. It's a, and especially it's a strange when, one. Sorry, especially when you're Alexis McAllister, you don't generally play as number six. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you haven't played a new position in a, in a different formation at a new club. Yeah. And also as well, I think I think it's asking a lot of trends. It's go and play two positions at once, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love him as a player, but how good is he expected to be where he's simultaneously never allowing anyone in down the right, but also creating two or three opportunities a game and or you know being the assist king. It's um, I don't know whether it's, it, it's now is the time to maybe draw the line in the sand and 
you know, what, what is Trent Alexander-Arnold? That, I suppose, is Dante Klopp and Pep Linders and the player himself. But is he a, a right-back? Is he a midfielder? Um, because at times, towards the end of last season, it looked phenomenal. You know, we've seen him against Leeds, didn't we? Yeah. And he was picking passes at will and, and rampaging forward. And, and it looks great. But then you've got to... You can't just expect them to be perfect at everything. You know, if mm-hmm. he's going to be doing this, you've got to expect that now and again the team's going to get in down the left. And when you do, you can't hang them out to dry. So, if you're sticking with it, I think there needs to be a little bit of a um, realistic, um, collective um, thought process behind it from from critics and fans and journalists and whatever, or decide that he's going to be one or the other. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the same goes for other players as well. I mean, Kanate is technically having to play two yeah, different yeah. positions, isn't he? He's playing like in a back three at one point, and then and then in a back four when Trent comes back across. Um, and I I really like Kanate, but he's still a young young centre half, and he's not as experienced. Um, so yeah, Doily, what about you? Formation wise, are you um, are you are you a fan of it? What I, you... what I would say on the formation is this: regardless of whether we like it or not, Liverpool have played it twelve times now, and they're unbeaten. So yeah, something's yeah. got to be right there. Yeah, they've got a fair yeah. few goals, and they're going to concede more than than another one, than some of the other formations they played in the past. Certainly, the old four three three. I mean, I agree in the sense that I don't necessarily like it with the players they've got at the moment. I think it's too open. I think it, it, there's a little bit of luck involved in certainly in Liverpool's win against Bournemouth. It, it, overall, I mean, I mean they had bad luck in the, with the red card. Yeah. That should never have been one. The penalty, I think, I think it was a penalty. It's one of those ones where if the referee doesn't give it, I don't think VAR says that could be no. a penalty. But once he gives it, there's, there's not enough for them to overturn it. And mm. he was literally right there. Yeah. And there weren't many people in the ground who thought that's not a penalty yeah. at that time. So that's just one of those. I know he missed it, but he was still, Salah was still yeah. you know, alert enough to score. And even the first Qu- goal. Quickly, from... just intercept that. Will you keep Salah on penalties or would you change it? <clears throat> well, we'll come to that in a minute. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, if I'll come to it now, no, no, no. <laughs> no I think apparently, uh, well, they've lost Fabinho and they've lost Milner. Yeah, I couldn't believe. By the way, I did a story the other day on um, goal scoring midfielders and how Endo scored. I think five last season. Mm-hmm. Sobersly, yeah, got, got six and got eight mm-hmm. assists, and mm-hmm. McAllister was ten and five. I think it was. McAllister takes pens. Yeah, yeah. McAllister and like can both take mm-hmm. penalties. <laughs> I think it was James Milner's last goal for Liverpool was on Boxing Day in 2019 against Leicester for the penalties. Really? That was his, yeah, 130 games mm-hmm. since he last scored. Mm-hmm. Henderson was 83 games since he last scored, which was the derby against Everton where they won 4 1. Mm-hmm. And Fabinho's last goal was when he scored at Villarreal in the semi final yeah. of the Champions mm-hmm. League, and that was about 50 odd games. So they've kind of got more of an attacking threat in midfield. Jones as well, towards the end of last season. Yeah, exactly, he got, a few, he got a few. And, yeah. and Harvey Elliott likes a goal as well. You're going to lose some balance at the other Well, this is mm-hmm. the point mm-hmm. I'm getting to. So it's whether or not Liverpool are making that decision that they go, oh, maybe we are going to concede a few more goals now. Because we know that the centre-backs aren't quite 
you know, in terms of Van Dijk is in his 30s and not quite as... Although I thought he was very good in the second half. What was interesting about Van Dijk is that the minute they put somebody on like Kiefer Moore, who's like the big, robust old school, mm-hmm. Van Dijk was just all over him. Yeah. He has a little bit more problem when players are running at him from... Fast players running at him from deep, which is presumably what Endo and an actual defensive midfielder will be able to kind of protect yeah. because that's the one thing that Liverpool have always been... You know, it's always been a problem for them is the runners from midfield. So if you've got a defensive midfield, they can plug some of the gaps. That'll help. Um, but going all the way back to the formation question, I think they're going to persist with it. So you just have to get used to it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they got the right plays for mm. it at the start of the season. But if Endo can just end up, and that wasn't delivered by the way, mm. uh, can end up just. Um, he's only played 23 <laughs> minutes or so for Liverpool so far <laughs> Dub- imagine this at the end of the yeah. season dovetailing with Trent or whoever then it'll help them an awful lot because you've got to bear in mind that the other so not only are the four defenders having to learn a new formation they're also having to learn with three new players mm-hmm. right in front of them as well mm-hmm. so it's completely new for them so I think Joe Matip well I know Joe Matip mentioned this in the, the match day program, which there'll be a story going on the Echo, it'll be on by now the Echo website, where he talks about it at length. It's just quite interesting from his point of view. He's talking, yeah, not only do we have to learn how to play this new formation, and he's saying that I'm having to adapt, and presumably Canati's the same. And when Joe Gomez goes well, can there, can I just said the same. You yeah. were there last yeah, year, yeah. didn't you? When yeah. he, he spoke to a handful of journalists, and he, he basically said, Trent can't be. He can't bow on all the time. Yeah, he's got to gotta come back. He's got to come back at some point, so you can't just be covering him all the time. And. Uh, and it's the same for whoever's going to play in front of them. They're going to have to get used to what Endo does. What you know, they played a little bit with Basetic. See, I've got, I've got his name now. You see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basetic. And um, whether or not they bring in another defensive midfielder, only time will tell. But I, th- I think if Liverpool don't quite know what Alexander Arnold is at the moment, they don't know what Robertson is either at the moment. In a kind of you know reverse way, is he? Is he a left-sided centre-back mm. now? Is he is he still the marauding left-back who, who he's made his, made his name with at Liverpool? I'm not sure. Um, and I actually think the way he kind of bounds into the tackle early on for the first for the Bournemouth goal is probably one of the reasons Liverpool concede. Because I think Van Dijk does, does well to shepherd Solanke a bit wide and mm-hmm. he can't really get the shot off. But then Robertson bounds in. Ball ricochets off Van Dijk, I think, out to Semenya, and, and he, he sticks it away with a great strike. And um, just not sure what Robertson's meant to be. And, and I can see why there's been loads of talk of, of that left sided centre back role because, you know, Liverpool playing playing with a, a two at the back or, or a three mm. at the back with Robertson in there, it's a, it's a strange one at the moment. Um, mm. I think it's got its merits, this formation. It's just a little bit, like Doily says, maybe the personnel isn't quite as a tune as, as it could be we talked about Robertson on Friday's party obviously hasn't been listening too many no. too much don't throw on your baby daughter and not much listening listen to your friends of course I think that's what I've learned um, I, personally I think Liverpool have kind of gone back to 2017-18 a little bit and we saw that that team you know score a lot of goals concede a lot of goals there was some frustrating results that you know, where they would throw things away, there were times when they'd get absolutely battered, there were times they would take teams apart. And I think fans will have to accept that a little bit this season as they get used to new players, a new formation, a new style. Um, and obviously you saw as, as Liverpool evolved with that, they bought 
they bought new players, didn't they? And, and, and things settled down. They got used to it, and then they became a more boring team. And and, and I think once they became a, yeah. a team that could control games, took less risks, they became a better team. But I think we're back to the start of that process, and we have to accept it. Well, I think bit. that's one end of it, isn't he? Yeah. He's not coming in there to provide assists or anything. He seems very meat and potatoes, defensive midfield, they get your foot in, yeah. pass it to the more creative players, and, and you've done your job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how did they go about recovering on, on Saturday, Doyle? Was it just a case of cracking on and doing getting back to, to, to the basics or, or did they make changes well, in, terms in terms of, of Liverpool getting back into the game how, how did they turn around against Bournemouth well they just kept on attacking didn't they because that's mm-hmm. what they're actually they know quite well that they're good at that was, the, that was the other thing that was quite bad in the first 15-20 minutes they literally just couldn't pass the ball to each other yeah. so it kept on coming back to them and then that's not the way Liverpool wanted to go which is what happened a little bit well actually quite a lot against Chelsea so that's the worry is that it went from those first 20 minutes against Chelsea which were quite good to Maybe not the last five minutes against Chelsea, but the majority of the rest mm. of that game was played on the back foot, and that's how it started against Bournemouth. But they turned it around because they did kind of sort out the midfield issue a little bit. Um, what was interesting about Robertson in the second half when they had to go to four four one four four one, sorry, that's when he ended up having a better game in mm. the second half. And I think you're a bit, a bit harsh on him for the first goal. He had to come across and do something. Yeah, I'd, I don't know whether... Maybe. I just, it just felt like Van Dijk had forced Solanke wide and, and the chance of a goal was quite... And also, it was quite lucky the way the bounce came to them, but they earned the luck with the way that they played in the first, and Liverpool earned the bad luck because of the way they'd started. But in terms of going mad, they turned it round, they just attacked. Mm-hmm. And that's what... If you've got the three strikers plus Gakpo midfield, which I have to say, I hope we don't really see that very long yeah, because yeah. it's not fair yeah, on him, and it's just and it's way. not. It just he doesn't seem to know exactly what he needs do, to be doing. Do you doing. think if Jones had been fit, he would have played? That, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think probably even Gakpo might have played up front instead yeah. of Jota. Yeah. But then Jota as an assist and a goal without being absolutely brilliant. But that's just Jota, isn't it? It's like yeah. he's, he's one of the most difficult players to ever do the player yeah. ratings for. Because if he doesn't come up with the numbers of the goals and the assists, then you're like, well, what's he actually doing here? But even when he does do it, he can be a little bit all over the place. But yeah. his, his job there is to score an assist. And if he's doing that, then he's, he should be in the team. I think you, what did you say? 9-11, was eight, it? 8-11, yeah. Premier League, and he's only started seven of those. Very yeah. um, much a patchy goal scorer, isn't he? But he's, uh, he's probably Liverpool's best finisher for me. Two-footed, good in the air. Works as you know what's often he finds pockets of space. He just hits it as well, doesn't he? He doesn't he doesn't think about it. He's one of these players that the less time he has to think about it, the better he is. Having said that, his assist and I know it took a slight deflection for the first goal was very good. He just bounded his way forward and cut it back. And Diaz did a bit of a Diaz thing. Diaz has been a bit. I wrote something about him before the game, just saying that it's a big season for him because Mm. he'd had that really good start the first four or five months, wasn't it? Then he started last season well, then he got the big injury, and then when he came back, he, he was never going to be expecting too much of him. I think he got that great goal, didn't he, against Tottenham? That was round about the only thing he did. And he, he actually appeared in the last, I think it was the last 10 games, last nine games actually, I think it was Leeds, wasn't it, the first one? So in the summer, he didn't start particularly great in the first friendly, but since then, he scored in almost every game. Mm-hmm. And he scored against Chelsea, and he scored here, so he's kind of keeping his place when Jota could be on the left and he could be on the left and Nunes could be on the left and Gakpo could be on the left so there's quite a lot of players who can be on the left The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo That's the good thing now for Liverpool though they've got a front five where whatever the combination you don't it's not weaker is it it's not like 
in times gone by where Origi's gone down the middle and, and yeah. Firmino's not playing, you think, well, that's clearly a bit of a downgrade, or Minamino's playing, or Danny Ings, for example, or, or even going way back to the Benteke era. Now it's whoever starts but in that front three, it's very much uh, this is the front three that they've chosen based on this particular game as opposed to making changes and, and decreasing the quality. I think all five of those players are capable of getting double figures. I think the only one I was maybe a little bit unsure of was Diaz and he's already up to two, two games in. So um, those front five, um, I've just written a little thing about it there. They've scored, since Diaz came back, you mentioned they had already the Leeds game since Diaz's return. Since then, Liverpool have scored 29 Premier League goals and those five players have scored 22 of them. So as I say, it's a big season for all of them and whoever they pick, you still fancy them to cause problems. One man who really impressed on Saturday was new signing Dominic Savoslai. Doily, you can just tell, can't you, when they sign when when clubs sign a player and they, they're a really good player. And I think in the first couple of games he's just impressed so much. Um, how good a game did he have on Saturday, and what sort of impact do you think he'll have going forward? Um, well, it doesn't look like his signing is going to be a sob story. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Joe just left the room, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I anyway, yes. I won't sob a slide. Sob a slide. Sob a slide. Oh, you can go. Sob a slide. You can go now. There's, there's yeah. some buckable offences. Yeah, there is there, yeah. Of course, he's the only one still on the pitch at this point. He's not been brought on, that's why. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the... No one, can no we talk one, about the red yes. card first? Let's talk about the red card first. Okay, okay. The red card first. You don't... I've got it written down. Talk about the red card. Okay, talk about the red card. He's carefully curated the agenda. Yeah, look. Look here, there. He's got little star points, bullet points as well. Very good. Um... It wasn't a red card, was it? Let's no, be honest. No. I mean, even at the time, didn't you think it was a booking? Just thought, like a, you survey, yeah, no. yeah. I mean, you can see, okay, from a very specific, going absolutely by the letter of the law, you can see why there's a discussion being had over whether it should be a red card and therefore the referee's given it. But once the referee gives it, and we all see the replay and go, well, that's clearly not a red card. He's going to have to, at the very least, get, you know, someone has to have a look at it. <laughs> it's like, the VAR, who was it? Paul Tierney and Constantine. Mr. Tierney? What's his name? Constantine Hazardakis. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, they've obviously. I mean, okay, right. There's no. I don't think there's corruption in the sense of the referees in football or anything like that. And I think fans who get onto that, I just, no. I just don't get onto that. However, what these two people are are human beings. And obviously, one of them had, has had many a run in with Jurgen Klopp. And if there's a. We just know human nature suggests that, that that they may be inclined to unconsciously, subconsciously I think they're really make gonna... a decision. I don't think the other the VAR assistant, the other guy, has got anything to do with it. I think they're at least going to overthink it. I think the problem with having Tierney on Liverpool games now is whatever happens, he knows yeah. that every exactly, decision yeah. he makes. Yeah. So he'll either be too favourable to Liverpool or not favourable enough. Because he would be overcompensating. And that, dep- and that depends on his, what yeah. he's like as a character. He could be really yeah. stubborn and go, yeah. well, I actually think this yeah. is definitely a red yeah. card. Yes, the referee's mm. given that. And also, they could just say, well, the referee gave that decision, so we didn't, <laughs> we're just going to wash our hands of that one. It's like turn a blind eye. Yeah, but at the same time, I can understand this idea that you can't put a referee on a certain team. I mean, I don't fully agree with it. I know Clattenberg didn't referee an Everton game for God knows how long, because <laughs> they still talk about 2007. But... But I don't think that that's the right approach. I think that you have to accept that referees are going to have really poor games and you just have to move yeah. on. But but saying that, 
it doesn't help, does it, when every time the decisions seem to be on the spotlight? No, I've seen someone <clears throat> tweeted me before saying perhaps the reason it wasn't overturned was he's a new referee and he didn't really want to undermine him in like his first mm. big game. I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of Thomas Bramall. I think I it, was his, he it was his eighth Premier League game mm. ever, or sixth mm. or seventh, and it was the first time he'd done Liverpool anyway. Yeah. I mean, so that, that possibly could be correct, but... They've only just made it worse, haven't they? They've technically made it worse for him. But that is VAR, though, in a nutshell for me, is that you, if it's not allowed to intervene, then it, all it does is add another layer of frustration for people who say, well, they, you know, everyone else thought that wasn't... What they could have just done, they could have just said, look, this is a bit of a 50-50, go and have a look for yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. all they had to do. And, if he, then, and if he then backs himself mm. up on that, then that's fine. Because mm. I don't think, I genuinely don't think Liverpool could really appeal it if the referees looked at it twice. Yeah. I don't think they'll get that. That news yes. has come out just before we started recording. So, I mean, Liverpool need need McAllister, don't they? Because no. they can't. The midfield is you know, short as it is. They can't be hoping for Endo to, to dive into that Newcastle game Sunday. And he can't be the be all and and Endo. Oh. 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 Do you think they like succeed with the appeal? Did you like that one? Yeah, I did. He did that. Honestly, one, I can't second guess any of these referees anymore because I was looking at that thinking. Oh no! This this will be fine. This one could have held, and lo and behold, it is. So I, I just don't second guess them anymore. Same with the offsides. Yeah. Just wait and tell me what it is, because I, I can have my opinion, and I'll be told that I'm wrong. So I think there's no way. I don't, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't think. No I don't. Oh, by the way, Sir Bosley had a good game. So you you both think McAllister will be suspended here? Yes. Yeah. I think she might fudge it and take it down to one game. I just think they. I don't even know whether they can do that. Mm. I mean, there must be. It's their rules. They can do what they want. Yeah. Three, three games for that's ridiculous. It, it, that's ridiculous, and, and I would at least hope that they do that. You know, they say, okay, it wasn't it was that bad. But at the same time, I just can't imagine they'll say, oh, the studs were showing, but and then every have... stud showing tackle doesn't shouldn't be a red card because well, Tyro Mings. Yeah, I mean, the the, the one Chelsea um, last last week, um, someone caught who who got caught with their studs in the chest. Canate got caught. Did he? Yeah, the studs, studs the chest. He can't, well, but it was a yellow card. That is so much worse than, than McAllister's. Do you mean Mings for Aston Villa? Yeah, yeah against Gakpo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That ripped yeah. the shift. Well, the same thing happened. But the thing on that one, I never thought that was a red card at any point. I just didn't think it was a red card. I just think he was clumsy and he yeah. caught him really high but up. I don't think the Chelsea one was, but then if the Chelsea one isn't and, this one, and Mings isn't, <clears> then... McAllister isn't even a yellow card. But then look at the one that Jota got away with at Tottenham, where he should be kicked off the skin. But then again, I don't think that was on either. Basically, I'm just quite happy with players going yeah, kicking yeah, each yeah. other. Leave I, you I think you've got you've got to accept an element of, of physicality, and that you will catch some people sometimes, and not everything is is a red card. But anyway, we all agree it's not a red card. Anyway, Sabozla, yeah, so yeah, played I'll... played very, 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 very. He very did. Good. What I thought was quite interesting about him is that in, I mentioned this in in the verdict that I had to do because Paul was away. Paul back on verdicts from this weekend on. Is he? Yeah. Yes. Sunday? I forgot. Yeah, you're back, here, aren't you? Back, of course you are. You're back. You're here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? Newcastle. That's all. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, in the second half, he took on that responsibility when McAllister got sent off. Mm-hmm. And he, you could see that he's a captain. He's been a captain, or he's a captain, sorry, of his country, even though he's only 22. And it was the way that, while everything else around him was like getting a little bit hectic, he was the one that not so much put his foot on the ball, but just went off, went looking for it and said, right, we're going to do this. Yeah. He kind of dictated the tempo a bit, certainly dictated the way Liverpool were playing. And the crowd got onto that reasonably quickly. I thought he started the game quite slowly, but even there were patches then in the first half getting towards half-time where the reason Liverpool improved is because he improved and got more into it. And 
I think he started when they first started in the summer. He was on the left of the midfield three. But when McAllister's has gone back to the, the number six, he's been up on the right because obviously Gakpo's been on the left. And he's he's just as good over there as he can be on the left. So he's he's got that versatility. I wouldn't want him as a number six, like. But I think he can do those other three, like the attacking midfield as well. And of course, there was a couple of times, wasn't there, where the crowd were telling him to shoot and he opted not to. And then of course, when he did actually then have a shot, the keeper spills it and Jota gets in and, and gets the goal, which in terms of nicely timed goals, I think about four or five minutes after a player's been sent off, that's mm. probably a good time to go two it's goals a ahead. Goal, that. Yeah, it was a massive one because then you knew Liverpool, not only did Liverpool have something to defend, but Bournemouth couldn't take their time with going forward and then that meant that Liverpool, as I mentioned before, were able to pick them off on the counter because of the hard work of the front three and the fact that Sabozlai in the middle at one point was the only actual midfielder on the pitch, wasn't he, for a little short while, about five minutes after the sending off. He, he stepped up and said the crowd loved it, got man of the match, got player of the match in the uh, the Echo ratings. And, that's the real barometer. That's the real barometer. That's the real He got a quality nine, which, as you know... Did he get a nine, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did he get a nine, yeah? I forgot. I remember all your ratings. Yeah, he was only a six on half-time, though. Yeah, because he started poorly. Hang on, before they made it... 1-1 one, one. the players half- run about 4 they win at half time yeah but what I'm saying is that mm. you know yeah. it's yeah. A, you know just, just, you can be just, hang on you can be terrible for, I'm not saying he was doing this but you can be terrible for 43 minutes just because he scored two goals it's necessarily mean everybody gets up to a okay, 7 ok look in a, in a don't summer, berate me on my ratings <laughs> berate you ratings berate. Yeah. berating yeah. this is awful um, <laughs> it's been a summer it's been a summer of midfielders of course the um, Real Madrid signed a certain big one um, mm. Arsenal spent 100 million one Chelsea spent 115 million on one I can't remember his name um, Liverpool have been trying to sign a lot of them Man City have been trying to sign one Liverpool got out and spent 60 million on Sabah's line and he's Nowhere near the headline deal of the summer, but I look at him and look at his attributes and look at the way he fits into a Klopp team, look at his age, look at his experience and think, Liverpool might have got one of the deals of the summer there, quite quickly, <clears throat> quite quietly, without really getting the credit for it. Yeah, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's got a fantastic engine on him, as you've seen with some of the runs that he was prepared to make, particularly on the right side and carried the ball in. and, and um, That was one of the kind of key early things that you noticed about him wasn't and certainly mm-hmm. the players did anyway when he when did the bleep test and he's mm-hmm. you know you know um, rather than Mo Salah for the, for the number one spot um, and he's very good in possession he's got a great shot on him two footed um, and I agree with Doyle he really took control particularly in the second half there was a little bit of a, a passage of play there where he kind of plays a little one-two and he, and he gets up the pitch knocks it around someone else Goes past the halfway line, could shape to shoot and then plays it out wide to think it's Trent or maybe Jota. And it was just an all round quality bit of play. And he has a massive hand in the goal that eventually kills off Bournemouth's resolve. And yeah, his home debut's goal was excellent. Uh, looking forward to seeing him in the flesh, looking forward to seeing him in the coming weeks and months. And um, to top it all off, he likes to speak to reporters after the game, doesn't he? So that'll come Although, up, although he did ignore, he didn't do us. This time, because he did about we'll, we'll we did about fifteen interviews with the Hungarian press, so we'll I don't blame him for that one. Oh, by the way, Navi Keita started his Liverpool career well. I think we just yes, that's to, true. That's true. That's yeah. true. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But it, but it's funny with the you know he says he speaks to reporters and and obviously Endo spoke to some reporters as well at the end of the game. <laughs> 
You've got to stop this. <laughs> it's like but, a therapy session for your puns. But, um, but, oh God, lost but you know, it seems like that, that seems like something that we only care about. But actually, to me, I look at Sabal's lie and, and Endo, and, and I think that that shows confidence. It shows leadership. It shows, you know, we've seen that with Van Dyke as a man who's yeah. always stopping. And that is because he's, co- he's self-confident. Van Dyke stops But that, to me, shows character. Yeah. And I think Liverpool need character. Yeah, I mean, Zabozla is only 22, so he's got uber-confidence for such a young lad. You know, if I was 22 and I was in Hungary and I was in football, I'd, I'd be terrified to, to speak to anyone. So for him to come out and speak about, you know, a, a difficult game and a number of things that could have went wrong and did go wrong and already shows that he, he does have those qualities and, and I think um, I think it's a bit of a theme within the Liverpool squad obviously they've lost some leaders this summer literal leaders in the captain and the vice-captain but you've got Van Dijk stepping up captain of Holland Trent is now the, the vice-captain Andy Robertson's the skipper for Scotland um, Zabozlai for Hungary Salah for Egypt um, and players like Canati seem to be growing in, yeah. in responsibility and things yeah. so I think um, Liverpool don't have any worries on that score to be honest yeah, Dory. We've spoken about the front three, front four, but another player that didn't really feature at the weekend and, and probably hasn't featured as much as he liked is um, Darwin Nunes. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Is it just is it okay? Is it just natural, or should he be slightly worried that he hasn't had more playing time? Only played two games. I know. No. All right, it's, it's two games. I've got to talk about something, Dory. We've had nearly forty minutes. I know, I know, but. I think, I think, yeah, of course, you want to make a, I, a good I, point there. And you're I was just saying, he didn't start much towards the back end. Yeah, the I, think, I think it's in the 12 games that they've been unbeaten. I think he started two or three, yeah. which isn't, I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. Is that just part of the development for him, do you think, or is it is it a, an alarm bell? Uh, I don't think it's an alarm bell, is it? Let's be honest. He was injured for three, and don't forget. So the, there was that. And also, he's actually, and also, and also, and also he's not going to start open at the moment behind them. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Once things tighten down a little bit, you've got more chance of him playing. Um, I think he looks a lot, from what I saw in the summer, he looks a lot more composed, a lot more confident in himself. And I think if there was any frustrations on Saturday, he just needed to get more minutes. Yeah. And I think rather than frustration in the past where it's possibly been at himself for being this, that, or not being what he wanted to be. I do think, um, you said the manager doesn't trust him 100%. I think, I think, I think, I think there's think, an element of that. I think, I think you're probably you're right there in terms of what he wants him to do. For, for example... I also think his, his English probably yeah. needs to, from what we hear, if, once that improves a little bit more, that'll help because Liverpool have had a big ta- the biggest tactical change they've had in about the past five or six years has come in the season where mm-hmm. he's come in and has been like, hang on, I came into this team that was meant to be playing this way and now we're changing it to this way. What's going on? Mm. Well, here's an example why, sorry, I don't think the manager trusts him. I think if they'd had 11 players the weekend, they might have gotten the pitch. But because they had 10, you know, we saw the likes of Simicast. And it's natural, isn't it? You bring more defensive players on rather than attacking. Yeah, it's not just him, though. But if you look at him, you think, would you trust Darwin Nunes to keep hold of the ball to... To defend from the front. To defend from the front. But to be fair, I don't he, think he, he quite he, does. He did yet. do a bit of it though, didn't he? He did do a bit of it. One of the first things he did was run across, chase down somebody, tackle him, get the ball out, and all the crowd go Nunes, mm. Nunes. So, I don't think there's any real problem here. I think the only issue for Nunes is the fact that he costs a lot more than everyone else who he's trying to get in the team ahead of. I think if he's the same price tag as Diaz and Gakpo yeah. and Jota. I think he's just another option, but the fact that he costs twenty five million more through no fault of his own, I think that's when 
it starts to become a little bit more of an external issue and people are analysing it maybe a little bit more. But, but don't you think that, for him in his own head, he needs to block out that noise now and just accept that it's a natural part of a transition in, in a bigger club, Liverpool aren't Benfica, the... And, and just knock it down. I don't necessarily think he's thinking like that. I think that's maybe, maybe, I think he's that's not, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. That's the same worry I have. Well, he's, he's, he's playing for a team that's got five good forwards, and yeah. they're going to have a sixth one with Doak when he actually starts developing it, it, a bit. It, 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 yeah. Be no surprise if he starts attacking us. You know, where, uh, somebody, good, away good, Newcastle. Then, you know, a team who are going to try and play on the front foot. They're not going to come up against many teams who are going to go duel to duel with them or play on the halfway line or whatever. Are they? More often than not, it's going to be Liverpool trying to break down teams. But I think Newcastle will fancy an home on Sunday and then that's where the space opens up for someone like Nunes to, to thrive. See, I'd be stunned if he starts on Sunday. I think would you I think, be stunned? I'd be stunned. I think he'd start, I'll start, he'll start gap. Would, would you be shocked? I'd be shocked. Would you stunned. be aghast? Aghast. Really? Yeah. That's a bit negative. Yeah. Are suggesting I, that you don't want him to start? I, this is an early team selector, this. Yeah. I, I just think... I don't think you drop Diaz right now. He might not be fit though, comfort. might he? I know that he didn't. He just said he was yeah. a bit tired, yeah. But, yeah. but okay, yeah. But th- that's yeah. this is his effort. Okay. You don't drop Diaz. Only one game a week. They never drop Salah. No. And and if you're going to make one change, Jota's scoring goals, but away from home, I don't think he keeps the ball as well. So you bring you push Gak up there. But that that's just a challenge for Nunes, and I think it's. I, I agree. I think it's fine. I think as long as he just knuckles down now, it's about him knuckling down. Hopefully adapting, and hopefully they start unleashing him later in the season or, or playing him in bits and pieces and you know the games just aren't coming thick and fast mm-hmm. you, just you yet but yeah, they soon will also you, you do realise that part of what you've described those Nunes is basically what you said about Jota a bit earlier yeah. Yeah. so maybe you can only play one of them exactly. if, if you've yeah. got the choice that is can we just yeah. have a little say on end because I missed no, I was on Friday yeah, yeah right. sorry yeah. Yeah. have your say <laughs> it's not you the can, end of the you podcast can you, yeah. can also, you can also tell us about Hendo because he went Fabinho went. It's been ages since you've done a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah. Come on. Yeah, you've got we'll, we'll the do another poor dog's monologue. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're out walking the dog or, or something like that, then, then choose, a, choose a longer route. Yeah. <laughs> that dog's going to be tired. <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, I think with, with this, this endo move, he's been available all summer, hasn't he? Played, played for the Stuttgart team. So Liverpool could have, could have gone yeah. and got him in June, could have gone him in, in late May. So... On its own, it doesn't seem like the worst deal. You know, a little bit of squad depth for an experienced player coming in to steady the ship and just be a little bit of a water carrier for the more creative players. But the fact that it's coming a few days after Liverpool miss out for Moises Caicedo and then Romeo Lavia suggests to me that a little bit of panic stations about it. Um, and hope I'm wrong. Not to disparage the player in any way, but it just seems as though the, the joined up thinking isn't necessarily there at the moment. Uh, just because of the timing of the deal, and if that is to be the sole defensive midfield recruit this summer, I'd be massively concerned. Do you think? Mm. Uh, see, I, I think as I'd like to get another midfielder because I think you saw on Saturday, Jones being injured, Gakpo's playing that really isn't the ideal midfield. But I think, you know, looks for all intents and purposes, they really want Grav and Birch. If Bayern Munich suddenly say in the last. What eleven days the transfer window, you know what is available. Yeah, and I think they go out and try and make that happen. What what I thought was interesting was that reading Klopp's comments on Friday about, you know, Liverpool had hundred eleven million bid for Caicedo, and then don't land them, and then try and end off for sixteen million. So theoretically, they've got another ninety five million there to play with or whatever. But he's kind of laughing it off, wasn't he? It doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't quite it, work it, like it that. Do, and it I, doesn't work like because it depends on the how they agreed the deal with Brighton. So, 
pay yeah. over a certain amount of time. You know, it might be completely different with all the other players. But you can't, you can't just so. pretend that that money's not there now and just oh well, you know, we're, we're hard up and yeah, but they might, they, might, the they, they might know it's money over. A, I'm not defending it, but I'm saying it might know it's money over a certain period, so it's there. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. See, I don't think it comes down to money at all. I, I think the money, I think Liverpool treats each. That's why they didn't sign Labby. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what it did yeah. prove is that they didn't sign Labby because they didn't think he was worth the money. Yeah. So, so, I did. Well, well, we, we, we know that, don't we? From yeah, we always yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we know we they don't think he was that. worth the money, but I think the market dictates that he's worth that money, and that they eventually were going to pay yeah, but that Chelsea money. Chelsea are the market, as in they just are the market. No, aren't yeah, they? but the teams like Chelsea have changed the market. What well, I think and the Saudi Arabian teams. As well. Yeah, but I think it's interesting. I just don't think that they feel like there's anyone out there that. They really like that much at the moment. I wouldn't say that. Maybe just spinning a few plates or getting a few ducks in a row for the potential of a of a Chiumani, for example. You know, yeah. if if around it make a late play for Kylian Mbappe and then realise that they need to lighten the load and whatever else. Um, there is that, but I I just don't think Liverpool fans will accept that this summer if it's ah uh, well we haven't bought a, a number six, you know, a long term number six because the right player or we're waiting for the right player because I think they've heard that, they've heard that for, for, for two years now and, and it's, I don't think it'll wash this summer I, I think what I think what I would say is that I don't agree that Endo's a panic buy because if a panic buy you don't have a panic buy two weeks before the deadline I think it'd been like two days before it's not an hour for put it that no yeah. and what I would say it's probably gone like this right we're trying to sign Lavia okay yeah we're going to try and sign him but we don't really want to pay that much we'll go back and this that and the others they got word on Casado and gone right okay right we can sort this mm. out made the bid Obviously, we know that turned out. We know how Lavia turned out. So they went, right, well, we've got these other players. What do you want to do? So should we, okay, like, right, let's try and get him. And they've gone for him and got him and went, okay, Sam, right, we've got that now. So no matter what happens over the next two weeks, we know we've got at least yeah. one more in. And they will be looking to get somebody in. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Just avoid some walking the tightrope. Exactly, yeah. and, and if he's half as good as what everyone in Germany is yeah. saying, getting, getting him for 16 mm. and a quarter million pounds, even if he only plays for like 18 months or something like that, then that's good going. But we're, we're only going to know that then. It's like you can't win the transfer window on September the 1st. You win it on September the 1st, two years later. Yeah. If Liverpool were to sign a case here, though, I'd be um, quietly optimistic of a title. What? Would, no, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near regardless. It's, it's one of them. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult you to know. You can tell you didn't do the predictions for us. I, I had them finishing fifth. It's, it's difficult to know, isn't it? I, I think... I, I think I say those price is crazy. I, I think that... You look what? at Chelsea yesterday, they, they looked chaotic and... And, and I don't two games. Yeah, and two I know, games. I know, I know, and and Caicedo could go on to be a brilliant player, but we've seen it. I think it work. will. Be. I think it, it will. Yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, it will tell really yeah. It will be. I'm I'm not hundred percent convinced. What I find fascinating now is that they'll they're happy to spend, and I know that they have like a don't they have a threshold of games that they want to see players play. But what I find fascinating they spend those sorts of money on players who realistically have one season at the highest level, and and that. I just think that's slightly worrying in itself. They can, the afford, they can afford to take the risk. Yeah, okay, that's, that's afford fair. To take, there's very few teams who can take the risk. Newcastle are refusing to take that risk, I think, because FFP payments yeah. anyway. United have... Ne- in fact, it's been a long time since United have done something like that. 
since they've paid a load of money for it. Remember, there's been ones in the past like Tosic and I suppose I was going to say Sancho, like but he's played a lot. No, for he? Sancho, yeah. and also he was, proven, he was proven yeah. as far as I'm yeah, concerned. He, he just hasn't yeah, you're right. done it at United. City don't do it. They could do, but they don't. We saw they walked away from Declan Rice because they didn't City think he was the right. City have lost out on loads of targets. Because, yeah. because they just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and they get. But they know quite well that they can then just keep on going for the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. That's their that's the safety uh, net, as it were. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, again, can't do that. They, As we've seen, if they they need to get away from, as you mentioned before, if we can't get the right one in, just get somebody in, which is what they've done this time. And yeah. everyone's gone, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't think everyone. I don't think everyone. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm encouraged that this time they said, you know what, he's thirty, but he's you know he takes. Well, they had to. They had to. Clough had to persuade yeah. him. Yeah, the, yeah. the owners to do it this time because I think he's. I wrote. And I hope this is right. He's the third oldest player Liverpool have ever bought for FSG. Yeah. Second was Clavan, who was thirty as well, and the oldest one was Ricky Lambert. Yeah, but I think that's heartening, and I think that's good that they've done that. Um, um hopefully that shows them that they can sign. And I think I think the way that you look at the, the experience Liverpool have lost, I'm glad to go and see them sign a few older players. I think you need a mix. Yeah. You can't just play and win the league with loads of 23 year olds. Man City always have a mix. I think it's it's good that they've done that. Um, I I would like to see them sign two more players. Another midfielder. It doesn't necessarily have to be a number six. Uh, just another midfielder who gives them more balance. And I think they need a centre. I think they need a centre. And, back and I'd be slightly worried if they I don't. I think they need a centre yeah, back yeah. ahead of a midfielder because. Yeah. Even if, let's say, four of the midfielders are out, there is still four that they can choose from. Yeah, if if you had to, if I had to choose, I would choose a centre half now. Because I think Matip is going to go at the end of the season, and I think Van Dijk will be what 32, 33 then. He's thirty-two in June, so yeah. he'll be thirty-three. Yeah, next and and they need someone who's going to be the long-term replacement for him on that side of the defence because I think well, this might be a season if they get somebody in the Van Dijk doesn't play all the games and his pick and choose mm-hmm. certainly in the Europa League League Cup all those kind of things My worry is that poor planning in midfield and this whole summer looking at buying a number of midfielders has masked another similar problem Yeah, if they yeah. don't get a centre-half they could be facing ha- next But I would year. say that it hasn't masked it because Klopp knew about it in May. But they, but they couldn't prioritise that, could they? They couldn't prioritise that when Fabinho leaves and they're like, oh, great. But, well, then, but then Fabinho was... The minute that alpha happens, Fabinho's going. I, I suppose, but my point is if they plan, if they bought a midfielder last year, if they bought a midfielder the summer before that, then they wouldn't have to buy three midfielders this year, even if Fabinho leaves. They still could have gone, OK, we need one more midfielder. But instead, they deferred, deferred, deferred to this year and then they went... We're losing loads on free transfers. We've lost a couple we didn't expect, which can always happen. Yeah. Now we need three players minimum. And centre arse, we can't prioritise centre arse because you've got centre arse. You, you can't enter the Balogun race because you need three. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you're, you're right. I just messed everything up. You're even, right. Even but, Bryce. You're right, but it's gone now. So I know it's gone. But it's no point wasting too much time. That they, was, need to that spend, was poor they need to spend the time now deciding on what they're going to do next. Yeah. When, when it came out that Liverpool. Could, we're no longer kind of at the table for Bellingham. I had no idea what an acceptable transfer window would have, would have looked like to me, but I knew that Caicedo was, was one of the ones that I wanted. So, so when it came out, obviously I was after the Liverpool were, were writing the hunt for him. I was thinking this is a this is a proper kind of statement for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within, got, like, within got, like eight hours, it was like, you, oh, no, we, we you, got pro- you got proper upset, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know, I just, just thought that, you know, Liverpool are going to get a top player. Oh, no, they're not. Um, the, the only thing I would say, Liverpool didn't... The only thing Liverpool did wrong in that 
in that deal. Didn't go early Did not enough. go early enough. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think but he, then he clearly they, just used Liverpool. So, yeah, and yeah. I think when could they have gone in? They could only have gone in after they had sold Fabinho. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's but they should have been on the phone that night. Yeah, but then, but yeah, but maybe, but but then, maybe they didn't. They said, "Well, Chelsea, he's definitely, he's definitely going to Chelsea." And then they got, and then they got, and then they got the nod saying, "Well, actually, he might not be now because they can't afford him." But again, though, to me, you take this back three years. But we've done this. I know, I know, we've just done this. But the he underlines a point, doesn't he? Is that if Liverpool had bought a player last summer and a player the year before in the Sabozlai and McAllister positions? Then they got through, through to this year, and they could have gone for being out of poor season last year. He's twenty nine. We need to plan ahead. Let's start talking to Casey those people, and then you potentially have a chance. But instead, they're but reacting. Casey, I need rather... a job during Brighton then. No, but but they, no no. They, I don't. Chelsea and started talking to Casey like No, but season, Chelsea started talking to Casey though, didn't they? Clearly, earlier in the summer or late last season, Liverpool could have done that had they had other players in other positions. But instead, they left everything to this year, so they've been reacting all summer. Well, they haven't and, been reacting all summer, Abdi. Let's be honest. If okay, is the well, question? They, they sort of Again, have. I'm not. I'm not defending anybody. I'm just going to ask you a question now. If the transfer window ends in terms of midfielders, that they sign Sobosla and McAllister and Fabinho and Henderson are still there, are you absolutely massively worried about going into the new season? No. No. no, so they had to react to Fabinho and Henderson. But but you but but they, but they, but were, there, they, they were there before either of those runs. Yeah, like, that's, 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 no, that's my point. That's yeah, my yeah, point. Yeah. But, but my, but my point. point is when you've got Henderson who was thirty two and Fabinho who was twenty nine. Oh well, you knew. But they, they should have. They when they were good, but, they were always planning. But they ahead. were looking. They to get, planning. But they ahead. were looking to get another one in, weren't they? And yeah. it was going to be probably Lavia. But 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 to replace Fabinho long term. But even Lavia, they could have worked on earlier if they. I don't know they didn't. If they'd have got if they got a McAllister type player last summer, he could have been in the squad. I I just think that last summer the biggest mistake they made, and they should have done it the year they signed. Well, two years ago, they should have done it then. They should have bought a midfielder then. I'm convinced it cost them that season, even though they went close to four trophies. But Last season, they should, have bought, they should have bought a midfielder and they deferred again. So then they needed three this summer. And even if you're saying, OK, well, they only needed the third because two players left, they could have planned for that player proactively we already rather knew, than we already knew going, this. oh, players left. I know, we already knew this, but we're they talking sat, about And it. it's not as if they did have any money because they signed Gakpo and they signed Diaz. And they signed eighty-five million pounds, and they committed that all that money on Nunes. I don't know what the point you're trying to make. They still should have planned in that position, shouldn't they? There was clearly a bad plan in there. My worry is that the, that they, is they going to happen They prioritised the forward line to the midfield because they had so many midfielders in the squad. Is what my reading of it was, and they thought they'd get through last season without all of the injuries that they ended up getting. But we've said all this a million times yeah. over. I know, I know. We're going back over old ground, which yeah. is why we're going back to. We've got two weeks to go. In the transfer window, mm-hmm. was it 10, 12 days now? That's 10 days, isn't it? 10 days. So, do you want them to get in a defensive, sorry, a midfielder or a centre back? Oh, a, a centre back, personally. I mean, but... ideally, I'd, I'd still still be after two. You know, if, if this guy says, if <laughs> these Americans have got. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, if I, if I had to choose one or the other, probably a centre back now. Because yeah. I I go with the centre back as well. I, I would go to a centre back, but, but you know quite well the minute they sign a centre back, three midfielders. Yeah, will get we'll get it. That's yeah. exactly what. But, but this this is why we've already got two two injured. Andy Jones mm. and Tiago's back in training. But, but by the same by the same token, you know quite well that some of those centre backs are going to get injured this season. 
But yeah, that, that, yeah that's and that's exactly why I'm saying you yeah. need to prioritise the centre back now. There's doubts as well over. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. yeah, and that's my worry is that next year they don't sign a centre half. Now next year we're having this conversation about defence saying Van Dijk is at the end of his career. Matip's gone. Kanate's got injured. Who plays centre half? Liverpool. Oh, they need three. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's our crystal ball. Five weeks of pods in one, <laughs> one fifty-five minutes. One fifty-five minutes. Everyone's anyway, what, what, what no would your team just... have been for Bournemouth? <laughs> <laughs> I got. By the way, I got the score right, three-one. So uh... I got the score. Right. Did oh, you? Yeah, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You didn't say three-one, Theo. Keeper said two-nil. Was Theo even in the podcast? No, no one. It was no. Tom, wasn't it? It's Keeper, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. It was Friday. Well, we will leave it there because um, it feels like Friday now and it's Monday. But um, yeah, we will be back on Friday. Will we? <laughs> will we? Yes, yeah, we will. We'll be back on Friday to look ahead to Newcastle. Very big yeah. game. Why? Um, yeah, and um, we'll see you then. And any more? Hang on, before you go, go have you got any more endo? This is the endo of the podcast. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.